I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather here to examine the foundations of our faith, to explore the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. We've got a full show for you today. Later in the show, we're going to be talking with Tony Brandt, co-founder of Casting Nets Ministries out of Wichita, Kansas. He and his uh, his associate, Chris uh, Chris Stewart, travel around doing parish missions and, and uh, retreats and the like, all about evangelism, about how to live our Catholic lives in a vibrant way. Of course, that's something that, that's central to this show and, and what we do each week. And so I'm very delighted to have him on the show. We'll be talking to him in the second and third segments. And then we're going to be giving away a three-CD set of his uh, called The Seven Pillars of Effective Evangelism. That's the topic we're going to be talking with him today about as well. So as always, you can join the conversation uh, through facebook.com slash step outside the walls. You can also interact with us on Twitter. The handle there is at Outside the Walls. And finally, you can call and leave a message on our comment line, which is 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-5746. Well, as always, we're going to start the show today in prayer. And we're going to spend some time in Scripture. And then finally, in this segment, we'll close it out by reading from uh, a reading of church history. Today, it's going to be from St. John Chrysostom. So let's begin. Christ is our life and resurrection. Let us cry out to him with faith. Son of the living God, protect your people. Lord Jesus, we pray for your Catholic Church. Make it holy so that your kingdom may be established among all nations. Son of the living God, protect your people. We pray for the sick and the sorrowful, for those in bondage and in exile, that they may receive consolation and help. Son of the living God, protect your people. We pray for those who have turned away from your paths, that they may experience the grace of your forgiveness and the joy of rising to new life. Son of the living God, protect your people. Crucified and risen Savior, you come to judge the world. Have mercy on us sinners. Son of the living God, protect your people. We pray for all the living and for all who have gone from us in the hope of resurrection. Son of the living God, protect your people. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, our Father, look upon us with love. You redeem us and make us your children in Christ. Give us true freedom and bring us to the inheritance you promised. We ask this through Christ our Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 13. On the following Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and with violent abuse, contradicted what Paul said. Both Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. But since you reject it, 
and condemn yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be an instrument of salvation to the ends of the earth. The Gentiles were delighted when they heard this, and glorified the word of the Lord. All who were destined for eternal life came to believe, and the word of the Lord continued to spread through the whole region. The Jews, however, incited the women of prominence who were worshippers and the leading men of the city, stirred up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their territory. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them, and went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. That reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 13. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 98. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. The Lord has made his salvation known in the sight of the nations. He has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song. Sing praise. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Today's gospel comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Jesus said to his disciples, If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to Jesus, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And as today we're talking about the seven pillars of evangelism, later with uh, Tony Brandt, I thought that it would be a good thing to bring in a reading from the early church having to do with just that. This is from early church father and doctor of the church, St. John Chrysostom. You are the salt of the earth. It is not for your own sake, he says, but for the world's sake that the word is entrusted to you. I am not sending you only into two cities, or to ten, or twenty, not to a single nation, as I sent the prophets of old, but across land and sea to the whole world. And that world is in a miserable state. For when he says you are the salt of the earth, he is indicating that all mankind has lost its savor and been corrupted by sin. 
Therefore he requires of these men those virtues which are especially useful and even necessary if they are to bear the burdens of many. For the man who is kindly, modest, merciful, and just will not keep his good works to himself, but will see to it that these admirable fountains send out their streams for the good of others. Again, the man who is clean of heart, a peacemaker, and ardent for truth will order his life so as to contribute to the common good. Do not think, he says, that you are destined for easy struggles or unimportant tasks. You are the salt of the earth. What do these words imply? Did the disciples restore what had already turned rotten? Not at all. Salt cannot help what is already corrupted. That is not what they did. But what had first been renewed and freed from corruption and then turned over to them, they salted and preserved in the newness the Lord had bestowed. It took the power of Christ to free men from the corruption caused by sin. It was the task of the apostles through strenuous labor to keep that corruption from returning. Have you noticed how, bit by bit, Christ shows them to be superior to the prophets? He says they are to be teachers not simply for Palestine, but for the whole world. Do not be surprised then, he says, that I address you apart from the others and involve you in such a dangerous enterprise. Consider the numerous and extensive cities, people, and nations that I will be sending you to govern. For this reason, I would have you make others prudent, as well as being prudent yourselves. For unless you can do that, you will not be able to sustain even yourselves. If others lose their savor, then your ministry will help them regain it. But if you yourselves suffer that loss, you will drag others down with you. Therefore, the greater the undertakings put into your hands, the more zealous you must be. For this reason, he says, but if the salt becomes tasteless, how can its flavor be restored? It is good for nothing now, but to be thrown out and trampled by men's feet. When you hear the words, When they curse you and persecute you and accuse you of every evil, they may be afraid to come forward. Therefore, he says, unless you are prepared for that sort of thing, it is in vain that I have chosen you. Curses shall necessarily be your lot, but they shall not harm you and will simply be a testimony to your constancy. If, through fear, however, you fail to show the forcefulness your mission demands, your lot will be much worse. For all will speak evil of you and despise you. That is what being trampled by men's feet means. Then he passed on a more exalted comparison. You are the light of the world. Once again, of the world, not of one nation or twenty cities, but of the whole world. The light he means is an intelligible light, far superior to the rays of the sun we see just as the salt is a spiritual salt. First salt, then light, so that you may learn how profitable sharp words may be and how useful serious doctrine. Such teaching holds in check and prevents dissipation. It leads to virtue and sharpens the mind's eye. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a basket. Here again, he is urging them to a careful manner of life and teaching them to be watchful. For they live under the eyes of all and have the whole world for the arena of their struggles.
That reading is from St. John Chrysostom, father and doctor of the church. He lived in the late 4th, early 5th century. He was the Archbishop of Constantinople. Now, he was called Chrysostom, not because it's his last name, but it means golden-mouthed. So he was so eloquent, his words were so eloquent that they called him golden tongue, basically. Uh, And he brings up for us a very important question regarding evangelism. Actually, several good questions uh, in that in that reading there. Of course, we'll post that reading on our Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the wall. So go look for it uh, if you want to read through that again. But there at the end, he brings up something that's very important for us to look at. He says, Christ again is urging them to a careful manner of life and teaching them to be watchful for they live under the eyes of all and have the whole world for the arena of their struggles. And so the question is this, how do you live, how do you respond when you think that no one is watching? And that is a central question to evangelism because people are always watching. And we who claim to be followers of the Prince of Peace must live as people of peace. Uh, We shouldn't be uh, anxious or worried. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, life doesn't press in upon us, but it means that we live in the peace of Christ. Uh, And so, we follow the command of Christ who says, do not worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear because the, the heathens worry about these things. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these other things will be added to you. That's out of Matthew 6. We remember the words of Paul in the, in the fourth chapter of Philippians where he says, uh, have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Now, of course, we're going to struggle. We're going to have frustrations. We're going to get upset in traffic. We're going to uh, get impatient with our children. But how do we respond in those situations? Because people are watching, and, and we are the ones who claim to have the peace of Christ. And how we respond affects our ability uh, to have an impact uh, on the world. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Tony Brandt from Wichita, Kansas. He's the co-founder of casting nets ministries Uh, look forward to this conversation with him about the seven pillars of effective evangelism of course we're going to be giving away a three cd set of that talk uh, that we're condensing here on the show today you're listening to outside the walls with timothy putman Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad to have you sticking through the break. Today, we're talking with Tony Brandt, co-founder of Casting Nets Ministries. You can find more about their ministry at castingnetsonline.com. And they are your resource for the new evangelization. So, Tony, thank you for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me, Timothy. We're excited you have uh, developed this ministry around evangelization. The whole of what you do, the core of your being, is evangelization. And that's a word that's uh, fairly scary to some Catholics. We have this picture conjured in our head, thanks to uh, certain television stations and certain uh, slick-haired preachers, of what evangelism means. Or, Or we have this picture of walking up uh, in a pressed suit and a bicycle and knocking on doors uh, as 
as evangelization. And we're, we think, oh gosh, that's, that's for extroverts. I don't think I could ever, that seems uncomfortable. And, and it does seem uncomfortable, but you have a different take on evangelization and you have uh, talks and, and things that can equip the normal person like uh, my listeners and like really yourself and, and me uh, to engage in evangelism. Uh, you've got a new product out called The Seven Pillars of Effective Evangelism. And I wanted you to kind of walk us through what those pillars are in a much shortened version uh, so that <laughs> maybe you could show the listeners, hey, uh, you can do this, uh, you're called to do this, and it's really not as frightening as you think. Right, right. Well, the, to begin with, the, the, the idea that Catholics are afraid of evangelization, it's kind of a strange thing because it really is the purpose of the church in her existence. Um, we wouldn't say that the church has a mission to evangelize, but the church is mission. The entire reason it exists is to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we have a, an obligation as Catholics, if we are going to call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, to get out there and share that mission, to share that good news, to share that gospel uh, with, with everyone we know and everyone we meet. Now, granted, how is that going to happen? I think that that's what intimidates people. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not steeped in apologetics. I don't, I don't have all of those um, extroverted, like you said, extroverted, you know, ramblings that I can go out there and I can knock on every door or anything like that. That is very intimidating to most people. Mm-hmm. But I think evangelization has a lot more to do with the way that we treat other people, the way that we love other people, the way that we engage other people on a regular basis while discerning what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do in their lives. You know, praying for them, speaking with them, maybe just listening to them, listening to their problems, listening to what's going on in their lives, and sharing the truth with them in a charitable way. And I think that those are the types of things that we need to to work on. So Chris and I, Chris Stewart and I, um, went out and we, we put together the seven pillars of effective evangelization. And those seven pillars are based on what we have observed throughout the world, uh, everywhere we go, you know, we've traveled all over the nation, you know, parish to parish to parish, organization after organization, diocese after diocese. And these are the seven pillars that we recognize were present in every parish, every organization that was getting the job done, that was really being effective in evangelization. And so that's where we start. You know, okay, what are these pillars? And I think that the first one, the first one is pretty obvious. The first one is prayer, that we've got to be a people of prayer. We cannot give what we do not have. And if we do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how are we supposed to introduce a relationship to Jesus Christ to someone else? Right. And I think that that, that, is, uh, that is an obvious one. And uh, we take that serious enough that we have a Casting Nuts prayer crew, um, and then we also have postcards that we, that we fill up, postcards of a, a thousand memoraries at a time that we send out uh, to people that we're praying for. And uh, the people that have been a part of Casting Nets, uh, we have, um, if they filled all the cards that they've taken, which that's, that's the intention, if they take the card and fill it up with memoraries, we've had in just the last uh, about two years, we've had uh, something like 12.7 million memoraries prayed for the salvation of souls throughout the nation. Well, you know, you say that it, you say it's an obvious point and yet I don't think that it, it always <laughs> is. 
Uh, but I'm, I'm just reminded that when, when you're reading the gospel, anytime before Christ went out and, and did some amazing miracle, it says that he retreated and went away to a lonely place and prayed. And so if, if the God of the universe needs that time of prayer to connect with his Father before he can be effective, I would think that we would as well. Right. And, and here's the thing, is that people think of their solitude, their going back and retreating in prayer, as not being key to evangelization. Because they think of evangelization as when they go out. Right. You know, what, how does that have to do with me going out? Me staying in, it's not the same thing as me going out. Right. But it is, uh, it is a major part of it. It is a, a, a key part of it. And if we're not doing that, we will not be effective. Um, Jean-Baptiste Chattard, in his book, The Soul of the Apostolate, said that the success of our ministries, the success of our apostolates, will be in direct proportion to the depth of the interior life of its leader. Mm-hmm. So let me repeat that. The, the success of any apostolate or ministry will be in direct proportion to the depth of the interior life of its leader. Because what we, what we are trying to give them is not Tony Brandt, is not Timothy Putnam, is not Chris Stewart. What we're trying to give them is Jesus Christ. That's right. And if I don't have that intense spiritual relationship with him, then I'm going to have a hard time uh, getting through to those other people. So prayer is, the, prayer is the first pillar. What's the second pillar then? The second pillar is invitational, that we have got to have a spirituality of invitation. And I don't mean this flippantly. I, I think that a lot of people think, oh, okay, well, we've got to invite. I'm not just talking about invite. I'm talking about discerning who we're going to invite, what we're going to invite them to. You see, when we invite, we make it personal. Instead, and when I say invite, I don't mean like in your parish bulletin or from the pulpit or at the end of the end of the mass announcements. I'm talking about actual person to person. Go ask your neighbor if they would like to go and join you for the fish fry. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about going and talking to uh, your friend if they would just come over for dinner. Or you want to go golf? You want to go do this? Engaging in a personal relationship with them and discerning what is the Holy Spirit guiding me to and asking me to ask of them. I think that when we look at the invitation that's, that's present or the, the opportunity to invite that's present, um, that that spirituality of being open to the next prompting. So I might be walking down the street. I might be walking through Walmart. I might be just sitting there mowing my lawn. And here my neighbor walks across the street to talk to me. You know, am I open to what the Holy Spirit has in store for that person through me right now as an instrument? Right. And if I am open to that, then I can actually engage them on a personal level, and engaging them on a personal level allows them to see something unique, that I want them there. They see that it's not just some general, hey, come one, come all. I want them there. I actually think you will like it. It's kind of the attitude. Right. And when we do that, then, then it changes the dynamic of their attitude toward the church, toward the event, toward other people. And it gives us the opportunity to invite them to or introduce them to other people as well. And you have to remember that even Peter, the rock on whom the church was built, uh, was invited to meet Christ. Right. Exactly. And actually, each, each and every one of the apostles were invited either by someone else to meet Christ or by Christ himself. Right. It was, it was the mode of operation of Jesus Christ as he went about seeking the apostles and the, and the disciples that he, that he had fallen. Come and follow me. So we have prayer, we have invitation, and what's next? And the, the, 
the third one is hospitality and, and being hospitable to people. And St. Benedict obviously has this incredible treatise on the spirituality of hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're going to invite people into our parishes, then we've got to be ready to be hospitable. And that, hosp- that hospitality is, is incredibly vital, especially in the midst of these surveys that are out there that say the Catholic Church is the worst in regards to hospitality. You know, how many people this Easter did we walk in and see that they were in my pew? I'm sitting there going, what are we doing in my pew? You know, but we've got to flip the script on that and actually look at them and welcome them to our parishes. Right. We've got to welcome them to those things. And, and when we have someone else say that invites them into our parish or into this parish event or the parish picnic this summer, do we take care of them? Do we sit there and, and have that conversation with them that, that says, you know, hey, uh, welcome. What's your name? Who are you? Let's, let's, uh, let's make them a part of the family. Right. Because the reality is they're coming home. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to come home to a bunch of bitter people that say, where were you last weekend? Right. If they're really coming home, then we need to welcome them home. You know, uh, this is something, this is a, a maybe a little pet peeve of mine, uh, coming into the Catholic Church. Uh, and, and what I've noticed or, or, or put together about it is I, I think that uh, the Catholic Church was built around the parish, and, and the parish was simply where all the people in the neighborhood came to church. And then uh, probably around Vatican II, when churches began to worship differently from one another, we started going to the parish that we liked rather than the one that was necessarily right down the street from us. And so the parish never really was built for community. The parish was built for the sacraments under the assumption that the community was going to be hospitable the rest of the week, because these are the people you went to school with and you uh, met at the grocery store. And that's, it's simply not the case anymore, necessarily. And, and I don't think that we've yet beat that curve to the place where we have put into place systems and practices that allow us to be uh, community building in the parish itself. Right. And if, and if we do engage that, those communities are thriving. Those communities have all kinds of people coming into them. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the very interesting things that I heard recently from a priest, he said, uh, and this was challenging even to me, I, I, I sit there and I talk about this all day long. And when I heard him say this, I thought, wow. He said, he said, if you're going to have, if you want to be a parish of hospitality, you know that you are not a parish of hospitality if you are completely comfortable leaving your purse in the vestibule, knowing that no one will steal it. Mm-hmm. In other right. words, there's no stranger there because no, you've become just an, an entity amongst yourself and no one new is there, which means no one's inviting and no one is being hospitable enough to let people feel welcome to be a part of your community. Mm-hmm. You should actually feel a little bit strange about leaving your purse around. You know, uh, dare I say this, there ought to be every once in a while a few cuss words laid, not by you and me, <laughs> Timothy, but by right. the people that are still on that early part of their journey. Yeah. And if they don't feel welcome to be part of my parish, who's going to evangelize them? Right. Who's going to show them Christ? Tony, we got to take a quick break, but we'll continue this conversation with Tony Brandt in just a moment. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Stick around.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. We're talking today with Tony Brandt, co-founder of Casting Nets Ministries, your resource for the new evangelization. You can find more information about them at castingnetsonline.com. And later in the show, we're going to be giving away three CD set called The Seven Pillars of Effective Evangelism, which is, we're going over them quickly here, but if you want to listen to them in a much more protracted environment, uh, we have that available for you in the next segment. So stick around through this. We've, of course, so far gone through the first three pillars of effective evangelism, and they were prayer, uh, living a life of invitation, and living a life of hospitality. Welcome back to the show, Tony. Thanks for being here today. Well, thank you very much. So it's a, it's a pleasure of mine to always uh, be able to help you out and to and to let other people know what a, evangelism is, is all about because I think there's a lot of misnomers there, mm-hmm. and so hopefully these pillars are helping people uh, really come to grips on on our obligation to evangelize and give them the confidence to do so effectively. Excellent. So let's start with now pillar four. Pillar four is in, inspirational. And living an inspirational life is one of those things that is, is so vital that that if we're walking around and I I remember, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was Pope Francis who said that it's, it's almost like Catholics are walking around as though they just came from a funeral. Mm -hmm. There's no joy. There's no, there's no pizzazz. They're they're walking around like the, like the walking dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reality is that if, if we're walking around like, woe is me, you know, I have to fast on Fridays, uh, no one's going to sit there and go, oh, man, where can I sign up for your religion? I really want to be as miserable as you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strange attitude to have. And right. so living an inspirational life is, is we need to live a life that breathes the spirit back into their lives so that they can come to life yet again. And living that inspirational life and, and being able to do everything we can to live with joy and be that St. John Bosco, be the Mother Teresa's, be the people of our community, that when they see the way that we live as Catholics, they go, I want what you have. Right. And if we live those inspirational lives, live radical lives in love with Jesus Christ, people will come. So... Now, on to five, inspirational and then... The, the fifth one is sacramental. And that the reality is that we can't give what we don't have. Mm-hmm. But we also really can't give them what they really need. And that is the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. That does not come through me. We've got to be ushers that allow them to be seated in the place at the theater, that allow them to see the show. So in other words, my job is to bring people to the sacraments. My job is to encourage people to live a sacramental life. So whether it's every retreat that we, that we offer, every event that we do, to surround it with the sacraments, that we live a sacramental life. It's not just something we do on Sunday by going to Mass. It's not something we do on Saturday nights by going to confession. But we ought to live the sacraments live according to the sacrament of confession and Eucharist in particular, that we, that we allow those to build upon one another over and over and over and encourage people to get back to the sacrament of confession and get back to receiving frequent communion and not just on Sundays, but then allowing that Eucharist to be brought forth into the world through them. But that's, you know, when, when we look at those, that sacramental life, 
that that sacramental life permeates every other aspect of our life as we go out into the week, into the workforce, into our jobs. I keep coming back to this picture of the apostle Andrew, who introduced Peter to Christ, who brought Peter to Christ, and then got out of the way. He brought him to Christ, he invited him to Christ, but then he let Peter experience Christ on his own merits. Exactly. You know, I mean, that, that is exactly what we're doing, is we're simply allowing them to be introduced. Because the reality is this, there's a major difference between the Catholic Church and the other churches. Yeah. We have Jesus Christ truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. If that's not significant, then we might as well not have a church. That's if right. it is significant, it is the most significant thing we have. And therefore, we ought to be doing everything we can to bring as many people and put them in front of our Eucharistic Lord as possible. It's the source and the summit. Exactly. I think I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> Nothing we say is new. Right. Timothy. Nothing we're saying is new. <laughs> All right. So let's continue on to the next pillar. The next pillar, the sixth, the sixth pillar, is formational. Mm. That it's not enough just to have that conversion experience, but even to go beyond that and say, we've got to form the head and form the heart. Right. And so some of that is catechesis. Obviously, we've got to teach and teach and teach. But it's also a formation of the person. Mm-hmm. So it's a continued development where we don't just have that relationship with them elsewhere. We don't just have that relationship with them, you know, on our street corner. But we have that relationship with them even past that conversion into their faith life that we continue to build and build and build that relationship. That formation of the total person includes the way that I build my deck. It includes the way that I work. It's the way that I raise my kids. It's the way that we as a family can evangelize another family through formation of relationship. And that relationship becomes something that opens up the gospel and opens up the catechesis. So the formation is both the head formation, but then also allowing the heart to be formed by the relationships we build. You know, back in the day when I was at, at seminary, the, the, the Protestant kind, back at that other place, um, mm-hmm. they, they talked about Christianity is not just an intellectual pursuit. You know, the, the apostles had three years of seminary formation, so to speak, but that seminary was not only Christ opening the scriptures to them and revealing the Father, but also taking them out and teaching them how to feed the hungry, the 5,000 and the 4,000, how to heal the sick and to take care of the poor. Uh, and, and that's something that uh, I think a lot of times we we think of this as a dichotomy. We either get to be really intellectual uh, and have our preferences for liturgy and everything else, or we get to be activists and care for the poor. And And with Christ and the apostles and with Catholicism and us, it's a both-and proposition. Yeah, I think that if you're leaving either of them out, you're you're fighting a one-armed battle. Right. I mean, you got to have you got to have both. So that brings us now to the final pillar. We we you you condensed three whole CDs into uh, like twenty minutes. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, now, the last pillar is is missionful. I and I don't think that's a word. It doesn't, no, well, um, Chris made it up. I'll blame it on Chris. Chris made it up. <laughs> missionful. 
being full of mission. All right. We've got to live our lives as though every single day is full of mission. Mm-hmm. It's the mission of Jesus Christ to go spread that gospel to the ends of the earth, to share the good news in everything we do, that we've got to be living lives full of mission, with purpose, with, with intention, with discernment, that we know that we are going to share that gospel with every person we meet. Sometimes that will be through our example. Sometimes that will be through our words. Sometimes it will be through both. But the reality is that we've got to be full of mission so that our church, our parishes, our organizations can, can be completely dedicated and everything from all the way down to our finance council, to our youth groups, to our RCIA programs, to our liturgies, that everything is dedicated and mission-purposed so that we can evangelize everyone and bring everyone into the church that we can possibly reach. You know, we've, we've hit this thing, and I don't, I don't know who to blame, uh, and maybe no one's to blame. Maybe it's just the progressive culture. Uh, but we've come to this place where we separate and we compartmentalize our lives. Uh, you know, I've got my church life, and then I've got my work life, and then I've got my family life. And those things, uh, they may overlap, but it, they're, they're pieces of a pie, right? I've got that pie chart, and here's the piece for my family, and here's the piece for my, uh, my church. And this is not the Christian life. The Christian life, I, I like this. It's still a pie chart, right? Uh, but the Christian life is that the family life is the apples, and the, uh, the church life is the cinnamon, and, and everything is all infused together. And then, you know, the family life is the crust, and everything is, you, you can't separate it out. It's not this piece over right. here and this piece over here, that it's all together. When I wake up in the morning, a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a reading uh, from Alphonsus Liguori. And when I wake up in the morning, I, I say hello to God and I say, God, what do you want me to do today? When I get in the car and I go to the grocery store and I'm walking through the grocery store, I'm looking for that box of macaroni and cheese for my children. But I'm also, I'm asking the spirit. I'm, I'm always listening. God, is there something that I'm supposed to do here? Is there some encounter that you want me to have here? Is there, uh, am I supposed to just be more patient with my children for their sake and for the sake of everyone watching? Is there something more uh, that you have for me? And and living missionally as a Catholic, always in every single place. That's exactly it. The whole point is that, that we're Catholic and that should, that should permeate every decision, mm-hmm. every action, every thought that I am. That Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, that he has everything in my life. When we get to that point, which I don't think, Timothy, I don't think you and I live that perfectly. Right. I don't know anyone who does. But the reality is that if when we get to that point where he does permeate, imagine the evangelist we will be. Yeah. Well, we're talking with Tony Brandt of Casting Nets Ministries out of Wichita, Kansas. You can find out more information about their ministry at castingnetsonline.com. When we come back, we have a trivia question to give away a three-CD set of the seven pillars of effective evangelism. So get out your phone and get ready to give us a call. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. We're talking today with Tony Brandt, co-founder of Casting Nets Ministries. Uh, he's out of Wichita, Kansas. And uh, he has talked to us today about the seven pillars of evangelism. We're about to give away a copy of this three CD disc set. If you don't win that, you can always go on their website, castingnetsonline.com. You can find that talk and many, many others. Uh, both both Tony and Chris are humorous individuals. They both teach uh, Catholic high school, so they're also men of great patience and courage. Uh, <laughs> am I allowed to say that? Our Catholic schools are wonderful. Uh <laughs> And and people like you are what make them wonderful. I yeah. So we're going to go ahead and give that away. Uh, Tony, you had a question, and the my listeners can can call in to nine one eight nine two eight KPIM with the answer. That's nine one eight nine two eight five seven four six. So get your fingers ready. Get ready to dial that number. Uh, you might have to Google if you don't know the uh, the answer. That's all right. You can Google it. We allow that. Uh, open book test. And so uh, I bet your students love it when you do. Do you ever do those in class? I do. I oh. do an open Bible Bible test. Open Bible Bible test. That's uh, yeah. It's like taking a calculator <laughs> to math class. All right. So what is our question for the day? Our question for the day is the term, the new evangelization was coined by what pope and when? All right, the term, the new evangelization, was coined by what pope and when? You can answer that uh, at 918-928-KPIM. Give me a call, and we'll get that three-CD set shipped out to you. Of course, you can find out more information uh, about Tony and Casting Nets on Facebook. They, uh, what, what's the Facebook address that you have there? Uh, it's Casting Nets with Tony and Chris. Casting Nets with Tony and Chris. We will also put a link up to that on our social media. You can find that at facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and talking with us today. No problem. Thank you for having us on. And we'll also see you uh, August 7th through 9th up in Wichita, Kansas is the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. Uh, and you and Chris are going to be speaking there at that, so we'll see you there. Uh, if you want more information about that conference, you can go to catholicfamilyconference.org. Uh, it's a yearly conference. This is the 16th year that they've held it, and uh, they've got excellent speakers, not the least of which, of course, is Tony and Chris, uh, who you heard today. You can also check out our book that will be launched in August called Casting Nets, Grow Your Faith by Sharing the Faith, uh, picked up by our Sunday visitor where we go through all of the seven pillars of effective evangelization. And y'all will have that book with you uh, out in Wichita. That'll be the first chance that people will have to get a hold of that. So uh, now Tony, uh, Tony brought up something there in that last segment there uh, that I really want to, to flesh out a little bit further. And, and perhaps it's something we'll do a whole show on sometime. Uh, but this is the question of being invitational and a people of hospitality. Uh, because this is something that, that I think is a real growing area for a lot of people, uh, something we really need to focus on. It, and it comes down to this. We, we're so busy looking for the perfect parish, the perfect church. And we say things like, well, you know, uh, this parish isn't very friendly. That parish doesn't have a whole lot of educational opportunities. 
uh, et cetera, and so forth. And so uh, we have this, uh, in some cases, this migrant population of Catholics going from one parish to another, trying to find that perfect parish. Uh, but we get to make the perfect parish, as it were. Uh, of course, no parish will ever be perfect because we're there. But we get to help shape uh, the, the culture of our parish. So if you decide that your parish isn't friendly enough, then start being friendly. Now, of course, you can overdo it, I'm sure, but, uh, but you, you come up to someone after Mass and, you know, wait, wait until you get out of the sanctuary, but uh, leave the sanctuary as a place of, of prayer and meditation. But once you get out of the sanctuary, walk up to someone and say, you know, I, I've seen you around uh, and we've been sitting down the, the pew from one another for about three years now, uh, but I, I wanted to formally introduce myself. I'm Joe. Uh, and just curious, uh, what are you doing for lunch today? And you'll be surprised how when you start creating relationships, how community will flourish and blossom. I spent a good portion of my life uh, in the Protestant world uh, trying to recapture some of the community I had growing up. And so, uh, you know, I you look for the church that had it. And if it didn't have it, well, that's not the church for me. Uh, and then when we came into the Catholic world and we saw even perhaps less community, and we talked about the reasons earlier, uh, I just decided I, I was done. I was done waiting. I was done looking. I was just going to start being hospitable. Uh, and so we started inviting people over to our house for lunch. And sometimes those people, uh, we had seen around and we'd known for a while. And sometimes I'd see someone new and I'd walk up and say, Hey, uh, you know, you may have been here for 15 years, but I'm new here. Uh, just wanted to say, hello. My name is, you know, my name's Timothy and, uh, wondered what y'all are doing for lunch. We do brunch over at our house. We do, uh, pancakes and, uh, bacon and eggs and wanted to know if you had the time this afternoon to come over. And, you know, sometimes those people uh, had been there longer than I had. And sometimes those people were brand new. They were visiting for the first week and they found community because uh, of a little bit of extroverted joy. Now, if you're not the extrovert, perhaps your spouse is and they can introduce those conversations. Now, hospitality may look different for you than it does for me, uh, but we all are called to be hospitable. We're all called to, uh, to find Christ in the other. We talked about that last week with Charles Beard, to find Christ in the other and to serve Christ in the other. And so uh, maybe that's in, in the poor, but maybe that's just in the suffering. And the suffering can be the person who's sitting right next to you in the pew. It can be someone who is longing for a connection uh, and feeling all alone, even though they're surrounded by, by all these people. And so it's up to, to us to create hospitality. It's up to us to be people of invitation. Well, next week, we're going to be talking with Father Brian Brooks. He's the pastor of Church of the Madeline in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we're going to be talking to him about the Catholic response to the death penalty. He's got a very interesting perspective. So I do hope you'll tune in. You've been listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.